The Pat Kenny Show with Aviva Insurance on News Talk. There's 382,000 people, Lauren. All right, great. So let's see. So they just keep crashing, huh? Uh, can, are you there? Can you hear us? I think you broke I'm here. here. I know. I think, I think you broke the internet there. We had over half a million people in one Twitter space, and it was growing by like 50,000 a minute. So uh, congrats on, uh, on breaking the internet there. <laughs> Well, I am running for president of the United States to lead our great American comeback. Look, we know our country's going in the wrong direction. We see it with our eyes and we feel it in our bones. Our southern borders collapse. Drugs are pouring into the country. Our cities are being hollowed out by spiking crime. So, at the rather shambolic launch of Ron DeSantis' uh, attempt to win the GOP nomination uh, against Donald Trump and Nikki Haley and Tim Scott and more probably, uh, last night on Twitter, uh, we are joined by Managing Editor of WSHU Public Radio, Terry Sheridan. Terry, good morning. Hey, good morning to you, Pat. So, what happened? (laughs) Well, let's just say, as it's been said here, it looked like a lot like an Elon Musk rocket launch. Uh, for over 20 minutes, 26 minutes, basically what you heard. There was silence. There was, uh, it was almost as if they didn't figure out how to use Zoom. You know, all those mistakes, people talking at the same time, it crashing. Um, and that was the takeaway from the evening, what should have been a moment that Ron DeSantis has been planning for much of his career or his life. Uh, the takeaway is that it was, it was as you said, shambles. What they're saying here is disaster. Uh, the thing is, this is the guy who wants to run the country, <laughs> and he couldn't and run a launch. Right, and his whole thing is competence. Now, that he is competent as opposed to either Joe Biden or Donald Trump. Now, fortunately or unfortunately, um, uh, or that is going to be the takeaway from the launch. People are going to forget anything he said either on the uh, on Twitter, on Fox later, or on the radio in a later interview uh, where things went well. The takeaway in every United States newspaper, every United States um, uh, media outlet is that the launch was a disaster, uh, and he took incoming from both sides of his opponent, from Donald Trump and his family and his supporters and Joe Biden and his supporters. Joe Biden even threw shade at one point where he put up this link works on Twitter and it took him to a campaign website. Now, the messages that uh, he was uh, peddling last evening when he finally got going, uh, can you boil them down to any simple lines? Uh, basically, the big thing he was going after was the anti-woke virus, that America, that decline is not inevitable, that he is the one to lead what he was calling the great American comeback. He did not talk about Donald Trump directly, did not mention his name, but again, criticized his policies, criticized his personnel decisions, took a jab at him when said that he would basically finish the wall, took shots at Joe Biden and his policies, um, you know, and again, portraying Joe Biden as taken over by the left and too woke. I guess the woke thing is the biggest thing that he was going after, that he will be the one to defeat what he called the woke mind virus. Now, uh, Donald Trump already had a campaign ad out uh, aimed at DeSantis. I saw it last night and basically it was kind of pointing to his record in Congress and all the rest of it. Uh, 
conveniently overlooking the fact that it was Trump who endorsed Ron DeSantis uh, for governor of Florida at a time when DeSantis' campaign was not going particularly well, but that is forgotten in Trump land. And then there was a Nikki Haley campaign, which is suggesting that all you get with DeSantis is an echo of Trump. Well, that's and that I think is part of what DeSantis's you know, strategy is. He basically wants to sell himself as Trump without the without the baggage. His policies are very conservative in a lot of ways, and in most ways, actually do line up with Trump. The even and this was the response from Republicans last night. So this is Republicans criticizing DeSantis. Is that he's too much? He's trying to project confidence. But in a lot of ways, he's projecting confidence in a way that the base, the Republican base, will not see or not accept. He's, in other words, he's talking over their heads. Um, where Trump is very primal. You know, Trump knows which buttons to push in people. He knows how to rile people up. DeSantis is trying to appeal to intellect of conservatives. Trump is hitting their emotions. Now, we know that uh, his record in uh, legislating is going to, uh, on the one hand, appeal to uh, right-wing conservatives in terms of abortion and so on. On the other hand, some of those uh, middle-class votes that you need to get elected at the end of the day, if you manage to secure the nomination, that record is going to be thrown against him big time. Absolutely. I mean, again, it, it his his conservative credentials, you could say, maybe are impeccable. You know, they're very far right, but they are impeccable. However, they are too far right for, for many Americans. I don't want to say a majority of Americans, but for many Americans. Uh, his stands on abortion, his stands on on business, especially his fight with Disney. Many people question that if Disney is the largest employer of the state and brings billions of dollars in, in both direct investment and tourism dollars, and that millions of jobs, not just those that are paid by Disney, but in the surrounding community are tied to it, they question that. They question the way that he governs, that he basically governs by fiat. He'll decide to do something, the Florida legislature will rubber stamp it. So those are the things that People who may be independent, definitely Democrats, are not going to vote for, yeah. are not going to like. Now, I, I'm not sure if uh, you've been following the, the letter from Trump's lawyers uh, to Merrick Garland um, saying that Donald Trump is being treated very unfairly by the special investigator into Mar-a-Lago. And some of the commentators are suggesting that they believe an indictment on Mar-a-Lago may be imminent. That's that's what the thinking is. Now, the, going back to that letter, a letter from a prosecutor or a letter from a defendant to a prosecutor or a potential defendant, let me be clear, to a prosecutor looking for a conference is usually an indication that that defendant or the alleged defendant believes an indictment is near. What was interesting about this letter was two things. It looked like Donald Trump, in a way, dictated it, or at least part of it himself, when he brought up, you know, Joe Biden and Hunter Biden. The other thing is Merrick Garland, because Jack Smith is a special prosecutor, really doesn't have much say. Jack Smith is going to decide to bring charges or not, and there is a very small window for Merrick Garland to not prosecute if it's recommended that that prosecution is warranted. It was more of a political letter. Donald Trump is looking to portray or create Matt uh, Merrick Garland as the boogeyman in this, as the one who was going after him in air quotes um, in a political way.
Uh, finally, Guam is in the news for a number of reasons. Uh, one, the typhoon that is buffeting the place. And I mean, I think 90, more than 90 percent of the island's electricity was out uh, last evening in this incredible typhoon. Um, but there's another kind of typhoon going on in telecommunications on, ja- on Guam as maybe orchestrated by the Chinese. That's right. Uh, uh, security uh, in the United States and also Microsoft believe that a group in China called Volta Typhoon has hacked into much of the infrastructure in Guam and also some in the United States, doing it in a very stealthy way, using actually home servers on the edge of the network to get inside. Right now, they believe that this, uh, I'm going to call it an attack or intrusion, you know, started two years ago. And that's when it was first noted by United States security. There, it, it's, it's believed right now that they're looking at it as sort of surveillance to see what's going on with, you know, various critical infrastructure in Guam. Why Guam is so important is because if that, if there is any United States military response to either a blockade or an invasion of Taiwan by China, Guam would be very important. It's home to an Air Force base. It's home to a submarine base. So it would be in the front line of any American response. Right now, they believe that this was just surveillance into the systems. But since they got in, there is also the possibility that it could be used to disable defences if there is such a confrontation. Terry Sheridan, Managing Editor of WSHU Public Radio. Uh, thank you very much for joining us. 80. The Pat Kenny Show with Aviva Insurance. Weekdays at 9am on News Talk.